2 Kings chapter 22. Did I tell you where yet? Did I tell you 2 Kings? Okay. All right. Well, let's get there. 2 Kings chapter 22. Amen. It's awesome to be in the house of God. You look beautiful this morning and handsome. It's awesome to have a Bible in our hands. I want to talk a little bit about the Bible this morning and the amazing book that it is. I want to ask you a question that you don't have to answer or have the answer to, but I hope by the time this is over, you will. Do you love the Bible? Do you love this book? Is it amazing to you? Because I know for many people, many, many people have grown up uh, maybe outside totally of church, and so many people have never heard the Bible, heard of the Bible. There's no, there's no doubt we've heard of the Bible. It's the all-time bestseller ever. There's no book that's ever sold more books than the Bible. So uh, the Bible's around. People have heard of it. But obviously we have a world and a generation who does not understand the power or the amazingness of this book. And so to be called a Christian or a believer, we must understand that I can't believe or be a Christian without understanding that this is everything to me. This book is everything to me. And you might even be saved, have a knowledge of Jesus Christ, believe he's the son of God, believe he died on the cross for your sins, but you might not be in love with this book or understand how amazing this book is. And let me tell you something, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, you continue to find out how amazing this book is. And so I know this morning, as you've got it open, it's, there's something powerful. I know that we are in a day and age of technology, and I know uh, some people use uh, their phones or their tablets or whatever for, for looking at the Bible, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also something about just holding that thing. And I, I've gone back and forth, even a lot of times, it's, like I said, it's not a religious thing where I can't hold the phone and look at the Bible, but there's just something about having that Bible that's yours, amen. And, and, and marking in it or, or, or highlighting in it or making notes in it. And so we have that book in our hands this morning, amen? And of course we know as we get into this that there's been lots of people over time who've said that this book that we're holding in our hands has been manipulated by man. How many have heard that? Oh, yeah. It's been messed with, it's been affected, it's been retranslated, and many different things have happened. And there are some truths to that in certain areas but I want to just show you some things this morning that I think will help your faith. And so let's read in 2 Kings chapter 22. I'm going to read quite a few verses uh, because I want to show you how over time the Bible has been uh, accepted and, uh, and loved and then neglected and forgotten. Okay, that's a good thing to realize. Accepted and loved or neglected and forgotten. So how many know that that's either, that's either where you're at? This, you, you, you accept it and you love it, or you've neglected it and you've forgotten it. Amen? Saved or not saved. And so 2 Kings chapter 22 shows us a story in, about Josiah that was an eight-year-old king. An eight-year-old king. I know it would be hard for us to swallow this morning, amen, for an eight-year-old to be the president. And don't throw anything in there about anything politics, politics amen? He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiai and, Bo, and Bo, of, sorry, of Boscath. And he did, watch this, what was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the ways of his father David. And watch this, he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. 
Amen. That's our call this morning is that we won't turn to the left or the right from what this Bible says. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. And let them deliver it to the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers of the house of the Lord. Let him give it to those who are in the house of the Lord, doing the work to repair the damages of the house, to the carpenters, the builders, the masons, to buy timber and hewn to stone to repair the house. So quickly before we read on, we see obviously here that a, state, a, a, a temple is being built. A church is being remodeled and they're fixing things up and they're, they're doing some things to the place where uh, the, 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 the preaching is going on. Okay, And so you're going to find something very interesting here in a second. I want to show how we can be uh, having a, a form of godliness as believers a lot of times but not understand the power of this book and how amazing it is. Okay, Because this is going to kind of blow you away here in a second. So we see they're in church. Let's just put it in today. We're in church. We're here. We're fixing up the building, we're arranging the chairs, we're doing some remodeling, we're doing some different things, and we're going forth and we're, and we're doing the things uh, that a church does, and that's what they're doing. Y'all following me so far? But then watch what happens all of a sudden. In verse 7, however, there need to be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. 8, then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Wow, what a concept. So they were going forward with this church, so to speak, with no book. I mean, you know, there's a lot of churches might be doing that today. Right. Going forth and doing things in God's name, but not without, without the book. And so they realized that they found the book of the law of the house of the Lord. And it says, Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he, what did he do with it? Read it. You know the best thing you can do with your Bible? Read it. Not hold it on the shelf. With the other books that you like, amen, not, not have the five or six in the house, two or three in the car, and one at work, amen, but actually read it. How many would just say, if I would, if I would just read my Bible more, I would be in good shape, amen. amen? So they read it, and so 9, verse, says, the scribe, verse 9 says, so Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house, and have delivered in the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. And then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. Shaphan read it for the king. So, so he comes in together, and he's like, hey, man, we fixed the chairs, and uh, we, got the, we got the wall painted, and uh, the sign's ni- looking nice and everything. And oh, by the way, we found this book. You might want to check it out. You might want to look at it. Oh, we've, notice how he talked about the sanctuary first, and all the other stuff, and then, oh, here's the book, by the way. So he said, okay, let me see what the book says. Now it happened, verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, say that one for me, Akbor, that wasn't even that hard, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah, servant of the king, saying, go Watch this, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed 
the words of this book. To do according to all that is written concerning us. So there's a revelation that happens when you begin to read the Bible and understand that it is a mirror for your life. Understand that it is life. Understand that it is the bread of life. Amen. It is, it is your, 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 your uh, sustaining power in your life. You begin to realize that this book shows you who you are. Shows you what things in your life need to be different. Amen. And not only that, not only on a convicting, changing you type of thing, you begin to realize on the flip side, wow, God knows what he's doing. This is an amazing book. That's what I want you to get out of this more than anything else. I want you to walk out of here in love with the book. With the book. The book. The Bible. God's words. And I want you to be able to live a life that you can, can know I am reading this thing and I'm understanding this book and I'm applying this book to my life and it's bringing fruit forth in my life and I understand that it's, as we talked about Wednesday, it's seeds that I'm sowing and that I can really reach out to other people and I can minister to other people and I can talk to other people but I have to understand that this book right here is my authority. This book right here is my answer. How many have got questions this morning? Let me see your hands. Questions about God. Questions about the things of, the, of, of God. Questions about the world. Guess what? The answer to every question you have is in that book. Now, the questions aren't always easily found. They're not always super clear in the beginning. They're not, sometimes we have to, 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 to take some time and study it. But I just want to give you a piece this morning to understand that if you have a question, God's got the answer. And, and there's no question and there's no thing, there's no situation, there's no problem, there's no sickness, there's nothing that his word cannot fix. Amen? Amen? And I just, I just want, I believe God wants us to just, just fall in love again with this amazing book. Amen? So let's go on reading real quick. Where we leave off? I want to finish this, this part here. So Hilkiah the priest... <clears throat> Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalem, the son of Tikva, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. And I know sometimes we get tired of these names, but don't forget they're in there for a reason. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke with her. And she said, thus says the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. Because, why? They have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands and therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, so we understand this morning, as we're closing up this chapter here, we understand that this book is powerful, and the Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it goes in and it pierces the soul, and it divides, and it shows us the truth, and it reveals things to us. And what we can sit down at night or lay down our heads on the bed at night with peace is to know that if our hearts are good, God will help us apply this book to our lives. And it'll be like medicine to our souls. 
And if we don't, and if we turn from the book, and we turn to other things, and we turn to other beliefs that are not what the Bible says, then that's when the problems begin to happen. So this isn't a condemning message. This is a hope message. Amen? But everything that God says in his word is going to happen regardless of whether I or you believe it. It, it, The Bible doesn't stop being true because me and you say, well, I don't know if I really believe that part. I'm not sure if I really understand that part. I think that that part shouldn't be in there. Amen? You can't take the good with the bad or the bad with the good. You take it all. Amen? And so this, this, I'm going to get somewhere with this. All right? Y'all with me? All right. I'm leading up to something. Where do we leave off? 18? But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord. When you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and wept. See, God's looking for us to do a change when the Bible speaks to us. He's asking us to, 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 uh, to apply it to our lives. He says, surely, therefore, I will gather you and your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back the word to the king. So we see in this story here, church, the, the, the fact that the, bu- the book can be forgotten. Even though it seems so logical and so, 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 so important that, I, I mean, think about it today. How, how many churches do you think, and listen, when we say this, we're not trying to make ourselves better. I'm throwing this out general. How many churches do you think exist today that uh, they have crowds and they have people and they have services and, and the, 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 the word of God is not preached. Right. It's not the whole counsel of God. And, and, and certain things, messages have turned into to, uh, motivational speaking and, and, and things that make you feel better about yourself. And listen, I understand, I want to feel better about myself this morning, but I've got to take the whole counsel of the word of God, amen? I've got to eat the whole book. I've got to love the whole book. I've got to understand that God is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. He's a God of justice. He's a God of fire. He's a God who's going to do what his word says he does, but he's not after us this morning. He's not trying to quiz us and make us take an exam, and he doesn't want us to fail it. He's not trying to cause us to stumble. He just wants us to understand how amazing this book is, and that if I need an answer, it's there. But I go in this book and I try my best to have a right heart and I try my best to humble myself and I try to say, Lord, uh, help me understand this situation. Let your word come alive in me and show me what your word says for me. Instead of, again, that attitude of trying to get away with what I can get away with in my life, I'm saying, God, what can this book speak to me that I can be right? That I can be good, that I can be in good standing with you, that I can be ready when that trumpet blows and I won't have to be here for the calamity that's going to come upon this earth. Amen. God's wrath is not for us. We're not appointed unto wrath. We're appointed unto salvation this morning. And we love this book and we understand this book and we believe in this book. But he wants us to understand how amazing it is and how it's perfect. And I I know my words will fall very short this morning explaining how perfect it is. But I want to give you a little information. Go to, to the New Testament, if you would, to 2 Peter. 
And while you're getting there real quick, I want to I show you something really awesome, tell you some really awesome things about this book. Because we have to understand the Old Testament, again, is the New Testament, what? Concealed. Okay? I, I want you to write this down. I know we've got, always got new people. I want you to write this down. This is really important. Because you cannot be like many of us are when we first get saved and say, well, I just want to stay in the New Testament. I just want to read the New Testament. Okay? I just, I just want to... I just, I just don't understand the Old Testament, so I just need to stay in the New Testament. You can't do that. That doesn't mean you're going to understand the Old Testament overnight. But I want you to get to a place where you begin to love the Old Testament too. And I want you to begin to understand, even you young people that are, are not, I, I've been where you are. You're young, you're saved, you don't really have a great understanding of this thing. And, and you don't really, you haven't, it just hasn't like, man, I should have had a V8. You haven't got that yet. That, that light bulb just hasn't quite come on yet of how amazing this book is. And this is for you this morning. But you've got to understand that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Y'all following that? So everything that's in that Old Testament is concealing what is in the New Testament. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Okay, y'all follow that? So that'd be good to write down in your notes if you're a note taker. The Old Testament, sorry, the New, Old, New Testament is the Old Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so one is doing for the other and the other is doing for the one and they work hand in hand. And as you begin to understand that, you begin to look at the Old Testament and you begin to see in the book that all these things that are in the Old Testament are speaking forward to a time that we now live in or now is past even, the New Testament. And the New Testament, it was written, it wasn't written to be something new, something different. It was written to be a fulfillment of the Old that's why you can't get rid of the old. You, you young people want to get rid of the old people. You can't do it. Amen? The old people need the new young people, and the young people need the old people. And the quicker as a young person you get to understand how much wisdom an older person has because they've been around the block, the better you're going to be off. And the quicker you as an old person realize that the young people can really do something for God, the quicker you're going to realize how well we can do this all together. We need each other, amen? The old needs the new, and the new needs the old. That's just an example of old new. But as we're looking at this, the Old Testament is pushing to the new, and the new is to the old. And so we understand how important this old document is. Any religion, all these major religions will never deny the old. They use a lot of it, as a matter of fact. But they missed something when it came to the new. And so I want to just raise your faith a little bit. I found these stats once before. And uh, I've given, probably given these stats before, but I just felt like these stats needed to be given this morning. So think about this for, for a second. How many, just be honest for a second, be honest. No one's going to put you down and make you look bad. But maybe you've ever, in just for a slight moment, doubted that the Bible could be real. Anybody? I'm raising my hand. I, I, I had doubts. You know, just carnal, is it real? Is this really God's book? Is this really the real deal? And, and you have that little doubt. I want to tell you something. The New Testament book, the book of the New Testament, the Bible, second half of the Bible, is the absolute most verifiable document in all of the world. Not, not, not in the church, in the world. It's the most verifiable document that exists. Let me, let me explain that to you. How many, how many realize how much of, our, of an importance our society puts on literature? Okay? 
huge. There's over 17,000 major libraries in the United States alone, okay? Just the states. That's not anywhere else. 17, and that's not the, that doesn't mean the library that's on the corner that you go to and check out books. I'm talking major libraries, 17,000 major libraries. That's a lot. And as time goes on, okay, as time has gone over, so the 2,000 years about since the New Testament's been written, a little less, because of time and wear on historical documents, watch, follow with me, from the ancient world, uh, we have very few manuscripts to which we can refer. Okay? A manuscript is something that would be a copy of the original. This is especially true, listen, when we consider the secular historians and philosophers. I'm going to bring the world uh, philosophy into this. Let me give you an example. And some of you really smart people, which I don't include myself in there, some of you who are in college right now, especially. Some of you who are uh, in, just graduated from college. You might really remember these. You've heard of Herodotus' historical works. Okay, that's, that's going to ring a bell if you've been in school lately. You've heard of Aristotle. Okay? That, that historical work of, of Herodotus only has eight manuscripts in the entire world of that book. Okay? Eight. You can count it on two hands. Follow me for a second. I'm going to show you how verifiable the New Testament that you have in your hand is. Okay? So, Aristotle. How many have heard of Aristotle? He made a lot of writings. Okay? And, and they found their way to the 20th century. Guess how many copies of Aristotle's writings exist in the world? Five. That's less. Just five. Five copies that they, they, they validate and say these are real and these are, these are things, these are facts. I'm not making these up. You can go look at it yourself. The writings of Caesar. How many have heard those? Ten copies exist in the world. Okay, there's another historian, Tacitus. Okay, is anybody smart, anybody smart here remember any of these names? Not that one? Okay. There's 20 copies of that in the world. Okay, another historian called Pliny. Seven copies of his works. Okay, so these are, some, these are some, some, some things that have been written over the history to show uh, the, the manuscripts and the copies that they have of these writings. And these are just world writings, okay? Watch this. The New Testament that you have in your hand has over 24,000 existing manuscripts available. 24,000. Compare that to the five of Aristotle. Maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. Maybe you're still sitting there going, wow, that's a lot big number. But what does that mean? How many have ever heard Iliad by Homer? Okay. Outside of the Bible, that's the most verifiable manuscript in the world. Okay. It's the biggest book. It's the most known. Guess how many manuscripts it has? 500. But the New Testament has 24,000 verifiable copies available to us. Amen. This is a stat. Sometimes you need to bring in the, 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 the world's secular thinking and understanding and data to say, wow, this isn't something that my church is making up here. This isn't something that, that the, it's a philosophy of religion. This is a fact. Amen. And so this brings us faith to understand that the, when this book disappeared in 2 Kings chapter 2, sorry, 22, that's happened over the history of time where things have disappeared or the devil's tried to put it away. How many times do you think the devil's tried to destroy this book? 
How many times do you think he's tried to burn it and destroy it and get rid of it and make it not work? But there's something that's going to come back into perspective here in our walks with God is that we understand that there is a spirit inside of us. There is an experience that we can have with this book that is not an experience that you can get with any other book that's ever been written. And it's an experience with your soul. Amen? And it changes you to a way that you understand and believe this is the real deal. 2 Peter chapter 2, follow me with this verse. Sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says, So we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning rises in your hearts. Watch this. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's a fact, kids. That's a fact, teens. That's a fact, adults. This is not a book written by man's will. Well, that you've heard it a million times. People wrote that. Men wrote that. Human men wrote that. Their hands were used, yes. But they did not write the words. Let me read that to you again. That no prophecy of scripture, how many know no means zero, is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And the more you begin to read this book and you begin to see the things that have happened and how they coexist and how they run together and how they work off of each other, you cannot deny the truth and you cannot deny the power of this book. Psalms 119, 105 says a verse many of you have heard, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Amen? Y'all with me still this morning? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have to be able to go to sleep at night. And if somebody came to me with some kind of, of, of thing, well, the Bible doesn't exist. Or, or what about this religion? Or what about this belief? Or what about what this person said? What about what that person did? And they bring these things. And what if, you know, what if uh, we, we, or religion can say, we serve the same God or all these different things that can be said. I have to know and believe that this book cannot lie. If you don't have that in your spirit, you're not going to make it with God. You have to believe this is the infallible, perfect, amazing word of God. Amen. You have to believe that. And if you're not convinced of that, then, then you're in trouble. But this book wants you to be convinced of it. It doesn't want you to doubt. And the more you read it, here's the thing, the more you read it, the more you read it, the more it becomes life to your soul. And the more you read it, you realize the less you know. Now, that does not a bad thing. It just shows you how alive it is. It just shows you how it, 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 it doesn't change with culture. It's just so powerful and real that culture has to adapt to it. And although culture tries to change, people try to change things, the Bible doesn't change. It's amazing. 
Joshua 1.8, write this down for time. You don't have to look at this, but Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. How many want to prosper and be successful? Get this book in front of you. Get this book as your author. Get this book as your life. Get this, be, find out how amazing this book is. Now, this same logic, let me read something to you, can be taken a step further. For, for instance, the, martyrs of, the martyrdoms of James in 62 AD, Paul in 64 AD, and Peter 65 AD, three men who wrote books in the Bible, all were leaders in that first church. Amen? You remember those names? Yet their deaths were momentous events for the early Christians. But we don't find, watch this, none of those deaths referred to in any of the 27 canonized books of the New Testament and significantly not in Acts, which is the most comprehensive book of the early church. And the only explanation can be that they were all written prior to these events and likely before 60 AD, 62 A.D., or a mere 30 years after the death of those whose life they primarily refer. We've got to understand that God, He knew that later on in life we would be looking at certain things, and we'd be seeing certain things, and we'd be questioning certain things. Do you realize this morning there's nothing you can think of that's bigger than God? There's nothing you can think of that God doesn't understand or that God didn't think ahead of. He knew how we were going to think. He knew how we were going to act. He knew what we were going to need. And these are some powerful things in the history of the Bible that shows us, look, this thing's real. But what, God, what people have done over time, over the, over the years, from when this book was written and James and Paul and Peter wrote these books and their, 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 their lives were, were uh, put on these pages of what they went through and what they died of, that the, the world has tried to change what they've said or change what they did. But they gave their lives believing in this thing. But see, that's not enough. Someone might say, well, people go and explain in buildings all the time. They blow themselves up. They commit suicide all the time. They give their lives for causes. Yeah, but the book that they read, sorry, the book that they wrote is not still alive today. That's the amazing thing about this book is it's still alive. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God, listen, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let me make this simple for you. If you haven't gotten anything else in this message, read this again or listen to it again. Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and powerful. Living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Meaning you have got to read this today about a problem you have now and understand that the book that was written 2,000 years ago has healing and answers and, and solution for your problem now. Today, because it's living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And this is the most important part. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Keep your heart pure with the word of God. Keep your heart pure to what God wants to say. Say, God, I want to have an understanding of this. How many want a greater understanding of the word of God? You want to just know what it means and you want to be able to explain your faith. You want to be able to, like the Bible says in the New Testament, give a hope for, or give an explanation for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. 
I challenge you not to just believe what we're talking about in this church because I'm saying it or because your parents told you, but get in the Bible yourself and read this thing for yourself. The problem that happens today in many churches and religions is that that that, the people don't want them to know the Bible. They don't want them to look at the Bible. They want to be able to stand up and say, hey, look, look, listen, this is what we think or this is what we say. And they don't really push them to push the Bible. We want you to read the Bible. Amen. Amen. We want you. My father-in-law was saved and, and came out of the Catholic church and that some of the erroneous teachings of that church because of he read the Bible. And for years, they did not want, and listen, I'm not knocking, I'm just telling the truth. They did not want people in their churches to have a Bible. Because they wanted them to be in a place where they could not read what they were saying. And for one one thing, for a long time, they did it in a different language. Yeah. But then even when they got to English or Spanish or whatever language it is, and I'm not picking on this, I'm just giving an example. My father-in-law did the crazy, crazy thing of opening up his Bible. And, they, and they, wouldn't, they didn't want him to open up his Bible. So he opened up his Bible and he began to read the Bible and he began to see the things that they were talking about in the mass and in the church service wasn't what was in the Bible. And he got saved on his own and came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because he read the Bible. Amen. You need a revelation of the word of God. Don't just go off of feelings. Don't just go off of what somebody told you. Get in this book and believe it for yourself. I believe this book. It's an amazing book. It's proven itself to me over and over. Listen to what Psalms 119 verse 18 says. This is awesome. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Wow. I'm going to read that again. Psalms 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law, from your book, from the Bible. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous. When was the last time you got excited about the Bible? Not, Not looking at it because I have to, not reading it because I know it tells me how to be a better person, but looking at it and saying, God, show me your wonder. Show me your awesomeness. Show me your power. Reveal yourself to my eyes. Let me know that what I believe is something that no man or woman can take away from me. We've said it before. It's why a person in stories can have a page of the book of the Bible and be able to survive in a bunker or in a hole or in a POW camp because it's alive and it's real and it doesn't change and it's just those few little words that can keep them alive. But we have the whole book. We should get excited about it. And we should love it. We should want discipleship. We should want to come and have our notebooks and our our notepads and our tablets and our whatever. Take notes and listen to the sermons again. and Go over them again and, and get a good ground and understanding of what I believe. So that when my faith is attacked by something of this world, that I know what I believe. And I understand how amazing It's the best word I could think of. I just love the word amazing. It just does so much. Awesome and amazing. I don't know if there's a better word, but you know our words will always fall short. It's an amazing book. This book has changed my life. And now that it's changed my life, I'm not just going off of some experience. That experience is great, but my, my experience is backed up by the word. 
Amen? It's backed up by this book. And when someone comes at you with some false religion or some false doctrine, you can say, no, the Bible says. And it's got the answers right there. We don't have to question or wonder or be afraid or be ashamed. We can know that this book is perfect. David said, open my eyes that I may see. I'm closing wondrous things from your law. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, here's where some of us may be and we need to be. Maybe this morning you've been saved forever. I don't know how long, maybe a month, maybe 50 years. But your attitude, see, I'm always at a place where I just want to learn more. I want to be refreshed. I want to be renewed. And you might be in a place where you say, man, I haven't been studying the Bible like I should. I haven't been reading it out of love for the book, not because I feel like I have to. I haven't been spending time meditating on this word, and you can do what 1 Peter 2, 2 says, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Amen? Desire the milk. Listen, I don't want you to be a church of people who just believe what you've been taught or believe what you've heard. I want you to know what you believe. You need to be able to defend the Bible, not because it needs defense, but for you. You need to be able to say, no, why do you believe this? Someone says, or the, 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 the history teacher at school, or religion, or somebody says something, and you're able to defend your belief by the word. Not by what my parents taught me or what, my, what, I, what I think, but what God's word says. And bring it all together. And listen, good, being taught's good. I'm not taking away from that. I'm saying that you need to make it personal. Don't say, well, my parents said. Say the Bible says. My, te- my parents did a great job teaching me the Bible. But my parents are only teaching me what they were taught out of the word. So get to the word. Make it your source and watch this, 2 Timothy 2, 7 says, Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. May the Lord give you understanding in all things. As the musicians begin to come, I want to read out of the book of Psalms. If everybody would go there to close, Psalms chapter 19. Psalms chapter 19. Just begin to open that up as the musicians come. I want to read one more thing to you this morning that's so powerful. I hope that recently, even in the last few weeks or months, you found something in the Word that you've never seen before. How many recently, let me ask this question, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it, have read a verse and you're like, man, I've never seen that before. I do it all the time. I've read this thing through many times, but I see a verse, maybe I didn't remember it. Maybe I read it and didn't remember it. But that's the cool thing. Something that ministers to me today out of this Bible, today, might not have hit me like it did today, six years ago, or it may not even needed to at that moment. But that's why it's alive. How many times have you read something, been in a sermon, heard of something, and you go, wow, I've never seen it that way before. It might be the same verse you've read ten times, but something came alive different for that moment that you're in. That very moment. That very second, that very problem you're going through. And, 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 and you just go, Wow never seen that before so we don't want to be a people that don't know the word of God 
We want a people who know the Bible and we can say, look, let's, let's get this studied out. Let's, let's find what the scriptures say about it. And every time you're going to talk about any subject, get all the verses together. If you were making a cake and you left out an ingredient or two, it'd still be a cake and you could still eat it, but it wouldn't taste right. So on a, an issue, what you don't understand, make sure you study it out and you go to a concordance and you get all the verses in that book. And then you go and you read all those verses. And out of all those verses, you come to a conclusion. And that's what God wants us to do. That's what God wants us to make out of every situation. Amen? Y'all follow me? Bring them all in. And, and listen, be careful. Be careful. You know that we are very strong on the fact that we believe that the King James Version is very important. Because it's, it, it's, the, it's the historically non-manipulated. Today, the, the enemy is using many translations to confuse people. Um, hold, Psalms one, hold Psalms 19 with your marker or your finger. Let me show you something real quick. Go over to the book of Acts. Y'all, don't forget Psalms 119. Sorry, 19. Now, these are things that you don't, you're not going to know until you get an understanding of the Bible. Tell you've read some things through before. But let me show you what somebody could do. And this is just an example. And remember, this thing's got 24,000 manuscripts, this New Testament, compared to 500 of Iliad. Is it Iliad or Liliad? Liliad Homer, okay? Iliad of Iliad Homer, okay? Say, 500 to 24,000. So it's a pretty verifiable book. But watch what happens if we're not careful. Acts chapter 8, it's just an example. Get to a verse, well, we're not going to read the whole thing, but around 26, you see the conversion of a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch. I remember that story, and he gets saved. Uh, Peter's transferred to talk to him about, sorry, Philip is transferred to talk to him about the word of God, and he's He's, he's uh, telling him about the explanations of the book of Isaiah that he's reading. And he, he basically changes, gives his life to the Lord, Acts chapter 8. And then in verse 36, sorry, let's look at 35. He says, then Philip opened his mouth, you there? And beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Okay, who did he preach? Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road... They came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So all of a sudden, this guy realized, I need to be baptized in water. And then, if you don't have the King James Version, if you have an NIV, what I'm going to read is not in your book, in your Bible. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to ask you to raise, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, I want to show you something. This verse 37 said, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart that you may, he says. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So the requirement to be water baptized is that you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's the only requirement. And then he said, well, there's some water. What, you know, can I be baptized? And they go and he baptized them. 
If you're reading, an, this is just an example, NIV Bible, that verse is not there. The most important verse of the whole story is not there. Now again, I'm not going to ask, I'm not trying to embarrass you or I'm giving you an example that you have to study the scriptures because that's pretty important and pretty is a light word, super, real, important, vital, a verse, one verse. And so we have to be careful that we don't just grab a verse here, grab a verse on anything. We have the whole counsel. And as we're trying to do the whole counsel, listen, this comes back to my heart. I'm not trying to get away with things. I'm not trying to manipulate the word of God. I want to be right. And you know what? Guess who knows your heart? God. He knows your heart. He's, gonna, he's not going to hold things against you you don't know. But he's looking at you to say, God, I want to, I want to love this book. Let's go back to Psalms 19. And if anybody has any questions on those things we just talked about, come see me after service. Amen? I'll, I'll answer any questions about what we just read there in that little verse and explain some things to you. Psalms 19, you there? Let's close with this. The law, verse 7, the law, remember that again, that's the book, the Bible, of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. That's me. I'm the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. This book should make you happy. Verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yeah, that much fine gold. Sorry, yea, that much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Watch this, verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Amen? God, touch my heart. Help me meditate on this book day and night so that I will not sin against it Lord we thank you for your word this morning we thank you for this amazing book this amazing book the Bible the word of God that your word says in Romans faith comes by hearing it and hearing it by the word of God Lord, all over this place this morning as we sit here in your presence and we know we've felt your presence this morning. We've, we've seen your power manifested in people's lives. We want this book to come alive to us. We want to be able to use it, God, to rightfully divide the truth. And we want to be able to use it, Lord God, to, to not show how smart we are, but to show the world that your word is perfect. And to bring comfort to ourselves, to know that, God, we know what we believe. It's not a mystery. And we can't be those people who say, well, I think this, or I was taught that, or, or, or people who say, well, well, I believe in this religion, or I believe in that religion, or I believe there's uh, many paths to God, or whatever the thoughts and, and things are. We need to be able to say, no, the Bible says this, and this is what it says, and this is what it means. And Lord, to know 
God, you came down to this earth to fulfill this book. You became the bread of life. And if we believe in you, and we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then we are saved. From there forward, God, you'll work everything else out. You'll show us everything else we need to show. You'll, to, to know you'll teach us the things we need to learn.